Good afternoon. I want to welcome you all to a special town hall program that is coming to you live from Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we're having our annual ASI convention. And our special guests today are Pastor Dan Jackson, the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in North America, known also as the North American Division, and Pastor Ted Wilson, who is the president of the World Seventh-day Adventist Church, also known as the General Conference. And we are very pleased to have you as special guests, gentlemen. And I want to, on behalf of the uh, ASI Officer Group, welcome you to our convention and glad that you are here. And uh, would like to have you give a greeting, if you'd like to, to our, both our audience that is watching by television and the live studio audience we have here in this hotel. Well, it's a great, great privilege to be here at the ASI convention and to see so many friends and those who are very strong supporters of God's precious word and the last day message for this troubled world of ours, and it'll be a privilege to chat with you today about some of those things. We're looking forward to that, Pastor Wilson. Pastor Jackson. It's always good. Uh, one of the best parts of, uh, of my job is to meet God's people, and so it's good to be here, and uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to uh, sit and talk and discuss issues that are very near and dear to the hearts of Seventh-day Adventists. And, of course, those who are in our studio audience today don't need to be told who ASI members are, but those who are watching on television, you may need to be reminded, just to let you know, ASI members are Seventh-day Adventist lay people who are business people or who operate ministries, and these individuals are here gathered in a convention, a series of conferences and meetings that are designed to help them know how to join together more effectively with the leadership of our church. And uh, one of the things that, in case someone who is watching may not even know, you may not be a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I'd like to ask you, Elder Jackson, what is a Seventh-day Adventist? A Seventh-day Adventist is a, a Bible-believing, God-fearing uh, individual who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and who is committed to the proclamation of the grace of God in the context of three very special messages found in Revelation 14 that we call the three angels' messages. Okay, and that's individually. Now, from a world perspective, uh, Pastor Wilson, what is the Seventh-day Adventist movement? Well, uh, Dan, it involves over 18 million baptized members and many, many more children and those who feel somewhat connected to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, the World Church has 13 world divisions, which are different regional areas, one of which is the North American Division. And uh, we operate in about 208 countries of the world or so, multiple languages, uh, helping in the area of better health, uh, social activities, helping with young people and the challenges they face, uh, helping in education, and most of all, spiritually. And of course, that uh, emphasis is following in Christ's footsteps where he ministered to people and helped people where they were hurting. And so we emphasize the physical, uh, social, mental, and spiritual realm. And a Seventh-day Adventist is one who simply follows God's leading and realizes here on this earth it's time to share with people the good news that Jesus is coming. Amen. And one of the things that we have been known for is, I've heard the phrase, and of course we're all familiar with it, that Seventh-day Adventists are people of the book. And when we say the book, we're talking about Scripture. And for a Seventh-day Adventist, how important is the Scriptures, Pastor Jackson? You know, Seventh-day Adventism in reality comes uh, out of a long heritage of Protestantism. And when the reformers back in the 16th century uh, talked about uh, the Bible, they talked about it as the sole rule of life and faith and practice. And for the Seventh-day Adventist, how important is this book to us? We find the grace of God and the goodness of God in this book, and we find those messages that are unique and specific that God has asked us to give to the world. So it still is the sole rule of faith and practice. If I can just Please. add, uh, 
probably one of the biggest objectives that the devil has is to neutralize mm. the effectiveness of the Word of God. Right. And he can do that in different ways, helping people to pick apart the Bible using their own educated status and believing that they know how to somehow rearrange things or decipher what is truth and what is not. Another way is simply to get people to ignore the Word of God. So he can do it in different ways, attacking it or helping even Seventh-day Adventist Christians to ignore the need to study God's Word every day. You know, Dan, I, I, I believe that the time is coming when all people will not be able to trust their senses. The, the devil is very clever. He's very cunning. He knows how to fool us, to trick us. And if our lives and our understanding of God is not based upon this book, we can so easily be deceived. So we can't trust our senses. We have to rely on what the Word of God says to us every day. And of course, in the world that we're living in, there's a cultural shift. It's almost like a runaway train in some uh, descriptions that I've heard. And uh, where people are looking at experience in, in their lives, and they're actually charting new courses without the Word of God. It's around us in the culture, but it's also in Christianity, in churches. And one of the things that we're going to do here, there are elephants in the room, uh, and we are going to be talking about the elephants that are in the room because uh, these are real issues. One of the things that we have all seen this summer is the announcement, church after church, and I'm not talking about Seventh-day Adventist churches, I'm talking about other Protestant denominations. There have been news release after news release of different groups that are now saying we are going to embrace what is commonly talked about as the gay marriage issue or LGBT issues. And uh, that popular uh, thing, in fact, there's only one denomination that did not go that way from all the announcements that have been made this summer. Mm -hmm. But where do Seventh-day Adventists stand with regard to issues, um, when I, I guess I would talk about it in terms of even a little larger, the whole arena of human sexuality. We have people that are talking about pornography and pornography addictions, especially among certain uh, age groups of, of people. Also, the gay lifestyle, the gay marriage, etc. How does that relate in Seventh-day Adventist thinking and leadership, uh, how you look at that? And I'd ask you first, Elder Wilson. Well, interestingly, the uh, Seventh-day Adventist World Church had a conference in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, in the month of March of this year, where we focused upon this particular aspect of human sexuality and, in particular, uh, homosexuality and some of those aspects. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church is very clear on its position regarding uh, homosexuality and uh, areas related to that. We stand firmly upon the Word of God. We stand firmly upon what Scripture says that variants of what God's ideal uh, is, they are not what God wants. We are opposed to that type of lifestyle. Now that doesn't mean that we come at it from a very self-righteous position because there are people who are involved in heterosexual activity that is very much out of line with Scripture. And so we have to be very clear that we support what God intended for human beings, and that was a man and a woman would be married and form a family. And God will bless that family and that relationship. Now, regardless of what situation people may face, God has a solution and an answer to bring them back into a wholeness. And so another aspect of the conference that we had in Cape Town was to help our church understand that we need to reach out to people everywhere who are facing challenges and difficulties and to remind them and ourselves that Jesus has the power to help us to live a victorious Christian life in Him. And so I think the Seventh-day Adventist Church is quite clear on our biblical stand 
and also on how we want to reach out to people, not in a self-righteous way, but pointing people to the one who can give us victory, and that's Jesus Christ. You know, I think one of the teachings of the scriptures is uh, that God does give free choice. If you read Romans chapter 1, it's a very serious discussion of what happens when men take their choice and run contrary to the will of God. I, I, I don't believe that time will ever come when the Seventh-day Adventist Church would or should move away from this book. But I think to every human being, we, we have a, another mandate that it, it expresses to them that when Jesus died upon the cross, he did two things. He did more than two things, but two things that I want to mention. He overcame the power of the grave. So no matter what happens in my life, if I die in the faith of Jesus, I know he will raise me again. But the second thing that Jesus did at Calvary was to overcome sin. So that for every person, no matter how pained they are right now, how challenged they are right now, the reality is that Jesus offers freedom to every human being. And I think in our approach to this whole question, we need to, we need to acknowledge that that if there is any hierarchy of sin, the number one on the list is pride. However, we reach out to every person, acknowledging that the Word of God sets a standard for us, and we ought never to compromise on this standard. So we, we pray for those individuals who may be caught in certain uh, sexual problems, whether heterosexual, homosexual, whether it's a, a problem with pornography, we need to pray and reach out to them with the love of God, assuring them that they can have victory. And, and Pastor, thinking, Pastor Jackson made a very important point there that we need to reach out with the love of God. So compassion and love is very important, but then again, God's word says something. And standard. so God has to to help balance that in a beautiful way. But never should we be mean-spirited or angry. We should reach out in true Christian love, pointing people to the source of all victory, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And of course, one of the things that uh, the devil has done in his entire uh, great controversy plan is to try to normalize sin in any way that he can. And I'm thinking right now, Pastor Jackson, you mentioned, you know, someone who might be struggling with a pornography addiction. And incidentally, that's not just a male-only issue. The statistics show that there are a number of females that are caught in that as well. And if there's someone here in this audience or someone who is watching us right now that may be struggling with that and feeling ashamed or, or, or sorrow and, and not wanting to know what to do, what would you say to that person, Pastor Wilson? Well, first of all, uh, I think one has to recognize that there is a being, and that is God himself, who wants to create a rest restoration of wholeness in all of our lives. And so God, first of all, needs to be looked at as someone who can really help in a situation like this. And anyone who's suffering from that kind of an addiction or that challenge, they need to recognize that the first thing they need to do is to come to God and accept that God will help them and give them assistance and encouragement. But I'd like to encourage anyone who is facing some of those challenges to be able to uh, go to Seventh-day Adventist websites, to be able to also contact a Seventh-day Adventist pastor or church leader, a local church leader, who can then put them in touch with very competent individuals who can help them work through some of those challenging situations. Because one of the worst things that a person face, faces in a situation like that is that they feel rejected, cut off, or that there's no hope. And there is a lot of hope. Yes, there is hope. Pastor Jackson, would you like to add to that? Well, sure. You know, uh, years ago, uh, Del Delker sang a song, and it, 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 the words, uh, first words or uh, the chorus was, never give up, Jesus is coming. It's the darkest just before dawn. And it is true, we live in the context of the imminent return of Jesus. But uh, for the person who is struggling, who feels, as Elder Wilson has said, on their own and isolated, you're not alone. You're not alone because Jesus has promised to be with you in that situation. 
and he will give healing if you surrender your life to him. You know, the scriptures say, you will search me or seek for me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found of you, says the Lord. So no matter how deep the problem or how enmeshed the habit, God can give deliverance. Amen. I want to move on to another topic because our time will get away from us. One of the areas where we got many questions had to do with the uh, women's ordination issue that is before the church right now. And I have a question I would like to ask in this way. You know, many of our lay people may not be fully understanding the process that the church uses to wrestle with these kind of issues. We know that there are commissions that have met. We know that this coming fall there will be annual council where I'm certain that this will be discussed. And of course, next year at this time, we will have already been through the general conference session of 2015 in San Antonio. My question, and I would like for both of you to be able to respond to this, is what will be the impact upon the church? And I'm going to start with you, Pastor Jackson. What will be the impact upon the church in North America, A, if the church votes to ordain women, and B, if the church votes not to ordain women? What would be the impact of the decision upon North America? Dan, I want to preface my comment by saying that I believe there are God-fearing, God-honoring, Bible-believing Seventh-day Adventists who find themselves on both sides of the equation. And I think we need to look at it from that perspective. Okay. Um, No matter what the outcome of the annual council and the general conference, there will be individuals Uh, in North America, and I'm speaking only for North America, but I'm assuming in other parts of the world too, uh, that will be highly disappointed regardless of the outcome. Uh, There is not just one point of view, I don't think, in in most divisions, I don't, well, let's not get into that, but but in North America there's, there's not just one point of view. So no matter which way the discussion ends, there will be some great disappointment. I I will tell you plainly uh, two things. Number one, I I believe that God has given us the inalienable right to make choices, to look into his word, to study it and understand it. And as we do that, we need to surrender our lives to God and give our lives to him. But when it comes to this matter of what will be the impact, I I think that there will be some fundamental decisions that all of us will have to make, every one of us, no matter which side of the equation one might sit. And that is, we will have to make a decision. Is this God's church or isn't it? Did God call me into this movement? So the impact, I believe, or at least the... The impact may be that there's a lot of disappointment, there may be some anger, there may be uh, alienation and so on, and yet what do we do about that? That that is my issue at this point in, in response to your question. What do we do about that? We anchor in Jesus Christ. We acknowledge that this is His church, this is His movement, and we come to the place where we say, I want to be a part of the movement that heralds the messages of the three angels, and no matter what happened at a general conference or an annual council, let me focus on the driving mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Pastor Wilson, from a world perspective, what is the implication, whether we vote yes to ordain women or no not to ordain? Well, let me preface that by saying that we are carrying out a very careful process to make sure that what is done is being fair to all parties concerned and those who hold differing opinions. Uh, We have uh, groups that have, of course, especially one group recently that is very carefully studied from Scripture and uh, from the writings of Ellen White and in much prayer to decipher exactly what the positions are. Well, people end up holding different positions. So how do you move that process along? 
And uh, we will be uh, providing materials of different perspectives to all of the delegates coming to the annual council, those who are uh, official uh, representatives at the annual council, uh, members of the General Conference Committee. And we will be engaging in some very careful prayer approaches and a listening to each other. Now, one of the main things that we want to do is to make sure that people don't become too over-anxious and emotive, because this is a, a very challenging subject, and people can become extremely uh, almost angry Agitated. on either side of the, yes. uh, the question. And we want the Holy Spirit's presence in a very uh, careful way, as, as I think all do. So the process will be very carefully done. We will be listening, we will be praying, we will be talking, and no one, by God's grace, will be shown any kind of depreciation for their own self-worth and their own positions. Uh, we are looking towards a situation where we will probably have to take some kind of a vote. We don't have the luxury of having the high priest with the Urim and Thummim and asking a question. Uh, we don't have a living prophet with us to ask. We do have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. What I think is the most important thing, even beyond what will be decided, is, as Pastor Jackson has said, how will you react one way or the other, regardless of what decision is taken? Will you understand that you are part of the body of Christ and that there is a bigger challenge and opportunity for the church, and that is the proclamation of the three angels' messages? Are you willing to be part of that even though you may not agree with a decision that's been taken, one side or the other? And I think as we move into this, we're going to be emphasizing more and more the need for unity in the church and not for disgruntled groups to run off into one corner or off into their own direction. And, uh, you know, one wonderful thing, recently Pastor Jackson and I got together and we had a real time when we just talked to each other's hearts. And uh, we may not agree on every single little thing in life, but we are agreed on the very important fact that we must be united in the mission of the church and the prophetic mission God has given to this church. And so we're excited about that aspect. So I ask for your prayers as we move into this whole process and ask that uh, the Holy Spirit will give us true compassion and understanding for each other, but then to live with the vote that's taken. And I guess I would ask our audience today, how many of you will be praying with Pastor Jackson and Pastor Wilson on this process? Thank you, all these people here, and I'm sure those who are watching from home, you will be praying as well. I want to move to another question that's coming in. And by the way, just so you know, we've had, I think, 60 or 70 questions that have been submitted to us. We're not able to get to every one. We've grouped them in different ones. But one that came up is interesting. And the question is, what about this rumor that we hear that the NAD, the North American Division, may be moving or planning to move out of the GC building? Elder Jackson. Well, that's a fair question. And uh, I, I, I don't think it needs any speculation. Um, you know, every organization uh, needs to grow and needs to do what I call self-differentiate. The, uh, the, the General Conference and the North American Division, and I think uh, Elder Wilson is the one who uses the word, have, have enjoyed for many years a symbiotic relationship. I don't see the need for that to end. I don't believe that a desire to move to another location is a reaction to the general conference or a, or a, a, a wild child saying we're going to go and do what we want. But every organization has need for its own structure and its own delivery of mission. The North American Division, you know, just as it says, it, when you look at the formal title of the NAD, it is the North American Division of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. And so there is a natural symbiotic relationship, and that ought not to end. But yes, to be frank, we are contemplating 
uh, a, a move to another part of uh, either the area that we're in right now or somewhere in the United States um, where we feel we can uh, deliver the mission of God's church to North America. This is about mission. It's not about rebellion. It's not about pushing away. It is about mission and mission delivery. And uh, that is a key thing that we are working hard toward because we believe Jesus is coming and we need to do what is most effective and most efficient for his work. Okay, Thank and we're not, we're not pushing them out. We'd like for them to stay, but they're looking at it and we want the best for the mission, uh, the prophetic mission here in the North American division. And uh, we'll just leave it in God's hands. We'll see what happens. Here's another now, the question. Brethren, I, I do want to say that okay. the, the brethren have said to us, we don't want you to go, but we will support you in your move. So, so we're not leaving in any kind of animosity or, or and, and we're not leaving. We are, we are studying it carefully, and, uh, but that's the story. Okay. Well, now we know. We've heard it straight, the straight testimony, as we say. You almost said from the horse's mouth. I almost did, but I didn't. I caught myself. <laughs> Another question, do we still believe in the spirit of prophecy in this church? Pastor Jackson, and then let's let it, Pastor Wilson. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I have believed for so many years that the greatest unifying force in the Seventh-day Adventist church has been the writings of Ellen White. And I believe that at this very minute. Uh, we, we, need, we need the counsel that we can give. We do believe in sola scriptura. But everything that God gifted us with through the writings of Ellen White shines a light on this book. And so for us to say in any way, well, we can just lay those writings aside, that would be very wrong and inappropriate. And that would be, a, in my opinion, a trick of the devil. Uh, that gift was given for us till the day that Jesus comes it is a blessing to us, and, and, and it is an enlightenment, as I've said, on the Word of God. Pastor Wilson. Uh, one of the very specific characteristics of God's last day church, as outlined in Revelation 12, 17, uh, two of them uh, keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And from Revelation 19, verse 10, we understand the testimony of Jesus Christ to be the spirit of prophecy. And we believe that the writings of Ellen White were inspired fully by God and that they are just as relevant today in 2014 as they were a hundred years ago or more. Uh, the Lord, I think, is using today even more those precious writings to point us back to the Bible and to give us practical counsel in almost every area of life including mission to the cities, which we may talk about yes. in a few moments, how to reach the millions of people in these huge metropolitan areas. So yes, the spirit of prophecy, as I like to say, is one of God's greatest gifts to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It is just as fresh today as when it was written. Amen. 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 The uh, single area that had the most questions that came in during the uh, time when people were able to put their questions in for this town hall gathering had to do with the whole arena, and I'm going to use several different words, contemplative spirituality, spiritual formation, etc. This whole idea of the blending of different, uh, different elements together in kind of a new age kind of a thing. And I guess what I want to ask is this, what about movements? How should, how should Adventists, how should we here, other Adventists, relate to movements that draw us away from the distinctive beliefs and the prophetic vision that God has entrusted to us? And I'm going to start with you, Pastor Jackson. Can I tell you a story? We love stories. It's a funny little story. Okay. Years ago, I was a baker. I used to go into the bakery first thing in the morning, and I would make mince tarts. And the mince tarts, uh, you know, were sent from the bakery to the res a restaurant in downtown Victoria, British Columbia, where British ladies would sip tea and eat mince tarts. One day when I went in to mix the mints prior to taking them out, they felt a little stringy. 
But I nonetheless took the, the, the materials away. Then the second day I did the same and it was a little more springy. By the third day I said something's wrong with the mints. You know, I, I, I took the whole bucket out and I, I got a big tray and I scooped it out onto the tray and discovered there were seven dead mice in the mints. <laughs> now okay. those ladies in that... That tea? Tea, downtown Victoria, they were sipping their tea and they thought they were eating regular mince tarts. They looked like mince tarts, they smelled like mince tarts, they tasted like mince tarts, but they had the addition of the entrails of seven mice in them. This is true confession time. I want you all to hear, this is true confession time. You know, you may see things that look like their truth. They may smell like truth. They may feel like truth. But if they do not sit based on this word, they're not truth. So when there are calls or enticements to embrace some other teaching or some other word, we test it on this book. And we, don't, we ought never to move away from the plain teachings of Scripture. No matter whether somebody tells us they've got a unique way to pray or, or there's a, a, a church that is, is building kind of a syncretistic way of embracing Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism and Christianity. No, 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 no. Rely on what is the reliable God's Word. So that Amen. would be my answer. Okay, Pastor Wilson. Uh, we need to be prepared that... Uh, in the very last days of Earth's history, which I believe we are living in right now, I believe fully that Jesus is coming soon. In these days, the devil will try to throw every possible curve at anyone who is interested in truth, and especially at Seventh-day Adventists. So there are going to be all kinds of winds of uh, strange, aberrant uh, understanding of what people think is truth. Uh, also, there will be renewed efforts on the part of the devil to deceive people into thinking that there is revival, when in reality the revival is not based on the Word of God, as Pastor Jackson has mentioned, but it is based upon emotion. It is based upon an existential kind of approach. We need to be very careful about anything that cannot be proven from Scripture that is not based on a cognitive understanding of the Word of God. Because from day to day, you can feel all kinds of different ways. So there is this tendency today, especially with certain charismatic and Pentecostal influences, as well as New Age influences, that you need to experience something. Yes, Christianity and an understanding of Christ is an experience, but it must be based upon a firm understanding of the Word of God. Now, I want to caution anyone who is dabbling in aspects of belief or understanding that could take them away from solid pillars of God's truth, that will focus on only one particular area of truth and not see it in a big picture that will say, well, if you just repeat these words over and over again, or just fix your mind on something, or allow your mind to become vacant and allow God to fill you, you've got to be very careful about that. A prayer is a directed kind of understanding. It is not just a vacating of your mind, because if you take everything out of your mind, something's going to go in it, and I don't think it's going to be the Lord. So you've got to be focusing on those things which are honest and true and pure, as Paul tells us in, in the book of Philippians. And I think we need to be very careful about areas and movements that are, that are going to take us away from a very basic, fundamental understanding of what is truth. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say you're going to be saved by keeping my commandments, but if you love Jesus and you understand who he is, then through his righteousness, which is another subject we need to touch on, yes. he will then, through the Holy Spirit, help us to live the Christian life, justification and sanctification. 
and movements are afoot which will take people away from this precious word and a literal understanding of God's word. You know, we're told we ought to read the Bible as it is, not try to impute all kinds of different ideas to it. If there is a mixing of truth and a mixing of human understanding with the Bible, stay away from it. If there's something that's overly emotional and taking you away from a cognitive understanding of God, stay away from it. Stay with God's word and the spirit of prophecy. You will not be disappointed. Okay. Now, I would assume, based upon the answers both of you just have just given, that if someone hears someone say, well, listen, let's go for a whole year, no spirit of prophecy, and only talk about the stories of Jesus, not the teachings of Jesus, but the stories of Jesus. What should, should there be red flags going off for that individual when they hear something like that? Why would you ever want to limit yourself to the amount of truth that God has made available? I think uh, we need to be individuals who will draw on everything possible that is fully truth in order to have a full experience in Christ. Okay. You know, I tell people all the time, and it is my belief, there's only one true north in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and his name is Jesus. However, having said that, I think it's important to know that Jesus said he would give us the Spirit, and when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So to limit ourselves to just one aspect, to, to talk about the stories of Jesus and not the teachings of Jesus, to say, I accept you as Lord, but I won't let you lead me, wait a minute. You're, 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 you are limiting not only your own exposure to truth, but you're limiting the access that God can have to your mind. So for us to say, uh, in any sense, uh, I will only read the stories of Jesus, but I wouldn't then go ahead and take the application that the Word of God makes of those stories and then implement those things into my own life certainly is, I, I, I think, a limiting uh, of God's ability to work in my life. So, uh, and the same is true of the spirit of prophecy, to say, now I'm going to exclu exclude, I'm only going to do this one thing, and I'm going to exclude this, this, and this. Um, I, I would like to be able to give an illustration that's just sure. not coming to my mind, but it, it would be unfortunate. Anyway, I can't think of it right now. But, okay. But, uh, Let me also try and encourage people to stay away from the fallacy that somehow the doctrines of the church, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church we have 28 fundamental beliefs, that somehow those are dry and legalistic and really have no relationship to Christ and that all you need to do is just talk about Jesus and that's really about the extent of what your experience should be. I want to tell you that every single one of those 28 fundamental beliefs has at the center, at the core of that belief, Jesus Christ Amen. who is the Word. Amen. 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 And if we teach them or we understand them in a way where Jesus isn't in the center, then we need to restudy them again. Right. That's right. I, I think there's a lot of people that would agree with that just now. Now, going back to talking about um, the contemplative spiritual formation, Pastor Wilson, I want to specifically ask you, this, this question's come in, that back in 2001, there was some kind of a committee. I think the initials were IBMTE. Maybe you can tell us what that is. But this committee met and supposedly passed a resolution to promote the teaching of spiritual formation throughout all of Seventh-day Adventism. Would you please address that situation? Well, that is absolutely, positively incorrect. The IBMTE stands for the International Board of, of uh, Ministerial and Theological Education. It is a board which was essentially set up to help to bring all seminaries and theological schools in the Seventh-day Adventist Church back to a very firm foundation of what Seventh-day Adventists believe and to make sure that teachers who are involved in that, seminary, seminary professors, are very loyal to the teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, back in uh, 2001, and I was part of that, as were many, many others, and I'm still a part of that uh, board. They deal with exactly what I was explaining to you, trying to help keep seminaries and teachers very focused upon the Word of God. 
but back in some of those days at the early part of uh, the 21st century, which is the century we're in right now, uh, most people didn't know what spiritual formation meant. And the words spiritual and formation were simply uh, words which sounded good, like this is a way to develop your Christian character. Only uh, a number of, uh, a few years ago, were these words meaning a particular thing. I can categorically, absolutely tell you that if that language were found in any document coming from the General Conference and the world field, that it absolutely had no relevance whatsoever to what people interpret to be spiritual formation today. Unfortunately, somebody who reported information coming out of uh, this particular meeting used those words in a press release. And people have pounced on that to indicate that somehow the General Conference was promoting that. That is absolutely categorically wrong. I've already stated how it is that we ought to relate to God's Word and stay away from those influences which are going to compromise or neutralize God's precious Word. And I can tell you absolutely that's where I stand personally, and I know that the General Conference does as well. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. We mentioned just a moment ago the idea of uh, righteousness by faith. And uh, the idea, and I, I want to phrase the question this way, and I'm going to give it to you first, Pastor Jackson, and then Pastor Wilson can jump in. We obviously understand grace. The words grace, we are all the beneficiaries of God's grace. How do we relate to the concept of grace in our lives together with the concept, biblical concept of victorious Christian living? Mm. God's grace, or God in His graciousness, um, reaches out to each one of us. In our natural state, we are debtors to law. And we can't live that law. So what, what, what was weak in the flesh, what the flesh could not do, God did by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. And He made us debtors in another way. Um, we were debtors to law, but through Jesus, we become debtors to grace. God never gives us anything that He does not intend us to share or to utilize in our own personal growth. So as God's grace comes into my life, there must be a response. You know, Paul, Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are you saved by faith, not of works, it is a gift of God, lest any man shall boast. Now, some folks stop right there. But Paul goes on, doesn't he? He says, for we are His workmanship, created by God unto good works, that we might fulfill His purposes. So, as we accept the righteousness of Jesus Christ, it becomes a motivator for us to grow up into what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, into the fullness of the stature of a man in Christ Jesus. So grace not only cleanses us and makes us whole, it becomes the basis upon which we grow up into Jesus. And that's not legalistic, because you and I know, and that's why I started that way, you and I know that naturally speaking, any time we take our lives out of God's hands, we could turn anything upside down and backwards and become outright legalists, right? That's correct. We can't live without the presence of the Holy Spirit and the authority of the Holy Spirit leading us into the good works that God has created in advance for us that we should do them. So that would be at least one part of an answer. Okay. Pastor Wilson. Many times Seventh-day Adventists have been accused of being legalists, perhaps because we focus upon keeping the Sabbath, uh, the Ten Commandments. But in reality, we can never achieve eternal life through a legalistic approach to keeping the commandments. 
this is a magnificent subject of Christ our righteousness, and I'm so glad that the ASI convention is featuring that here at this convention, uh, right here in Grand Rapids. Uh, you know, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, tells us, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. The all-encompassing righteousness of Jesus Christ is the only way that any of us will achieve eternal life. It is based upon what Christ did for us and what He is doing for us. Amen. It is based upon His justification, placing a robe of righteousness over us, which we have nothing to do about, and then at the same time, sanctification, where the Holy Spirit begins to work in us so that we become more and more like Christ. Uh, it has to do with what Christ did on the cross and what He is doing in the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. It says in Hebrews chapter 7, uh, verse 25, He always lives to make intercession for them. What a privilege to know that we have a high priest we can come to. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because a high priest, Jesus Christ, has gone through the process of being the sacrifice and now he's the high priest. Uh, this is a subject I love to preach on, the all-encompassing righteousness of Christ, our dependence totally upon him. There's one little quotation I want to read. It's a, a one-sentence quotation from the book written by Ellen White, uh, compilation, Last Day Events, and it's page 283. It's a, mar a marvelous quotation. Christ, only Christ, and His righteousness will obtain for us a passport into heaven. Mm. That's Amen. awesome. That's awesome. Amen. Um, That's not to minimize our daily lives in sanctifying process that the Holy Spirit works in us in order for us to become more and more like Christ. It is not diminish that in the least, but it is all Christ's righteousness. And you know that, I think about myself, and I'm sure that many of the people in our audience and many of those of you who are watching from te on television at home or on, on YouTube, on, on the internet, we wrestle with things. Mm. This is real life. But because the grace of God and He is all-sufficient for us, can we expect to live victorious? See, the words justification and sanctification are great words and they mean things, but to me, what does it mean to live victorious? And I believe I heard you say it in almost those words. Amen. I, you, you, know, you know, Paul makes the statement in Philippians chapter 1, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will also complete it until the coming of the Son of Man. Yes. So can we grow up into Jesus? That's his plan. And we, we just open our lives to him and say, you take me and you use me. One little quotation, Steps okay. to Christ, page 118. She says, Christ will never abandon the soul for whom he gave his life. So that no matter where we are, no matter how we feel, whether we're stumbling or we've fallen, God doesn't give up on us. We can grow up into Jesus. He will finish what He began. And using that book, Steps to Christ, if you look and read carefully chapters 7 and 8, mm. carefully read it, chapters 7 and 8, you will find answers to almost every question about this beautiful, all-encompassing righteousness Amen. of Christ. Amen. You know, one of the things I want to do is hold up this little book. This is uh, The Desire of Ages, which uh, if, you can, if the camera can pull in on this, this is a special ASI edition of the book Desire of Ages, which we focus on uh, as a giveaway. And in fact, everyone who has attended the ASI convention here this year in Grand Rapids received one copy of this. I just want to say that these are available by the case to give away because the righteousness of Christ is beautifully portrayed in this little book as well as the book Steps to Christ. Um, I want to talk about health because we're going to segue into global mission and, and the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And Pastor Wilson, what is the role of our Adventist health message 
in the whole arena of global mission. And we'll talk about, get more definitive down into the nitty gritty of what global mission means, but how important is health, the health component of our mission? Well, uh, 3 John verse 2 tells us that God wants us to be in physical health just as we are in spiritual health. Uh, Christ spent more time healing than he did preaching. In other words, the physical body which God made is an absolutely important vessel for which God, uh, which God wants to use in order to reach other people. Our minds are part of the body. That's why God has asked us to live healthy lives. We do not earn our way to heaven by being a vegetarian or a vegan or whatever you, a plant-based diet. That helps us to be in better health so that our minds will be in better condition to receive the delicate inspiration on the nerve endings in the frontal lobes of the brain from the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's so vital that we understand that for us personally and that our lives need to be healthfully lived so that we can benefit, but also to share with others that God is in the business of complete restoration and physically is one of those uh, distinct points. Also, everyone seems to be interested in health. So God has asked that we use that, especially in reaching those who may be resistant in other ways. And uh, that's why it's one of the most important ways of reaching out, as we term it today, comprehensive health ministry, reaching out to people in the community in what is also termed medical missionary work, something that everyone can be involved with. Health professionals and pastors need to be working together in a blended ministry, but everyone in the church can be part of a comprehensive approach, simply sharing with neighbors simple health tips as to how something has made them feel better. Walking, exercise, diet, sleep, water, whatever it happens to be. Health is, the health message is the right arm to the gospel. And recently we had an incredible meeting in Geneva where representatives from all the world divisions met. We had about 1,200 people. So much excitement now about using this as the right arm to the gospel, entering the cities and helping people to better understand they can have a fuller life physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Well, I do want to affirm that the health message is the right arm. When you, look at, uh, when you look at the ministry of Jesus and the compassion with which he reached out to touch broken and bruised people, where he healed them and he restored them, we find a model for ministry, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, and in, North, in the North American division recently, we've seen some amazing events. Uh, sponsored, one of them by ASI. Yes, in, Pathways to Health. Pathways, Pathways to Health. You're going to hear a lot more in, about in, that. In San Francisco and Oakland, yes. where almost $4 million of free medical care was given to that community. And people lined up, they lined up in the streets of that city to receive free medical care. People who couldn't afford it. You know, I think that's the process whereby we reach into people's minds to say, in, in a disinterested benevolence, where we say to them, God loves you and so do we. And, and, and so the health message, not only in a personal way, where we take care of our bodies and we do our best, uh, and, and, and health is a continuum, isn't it? Not everybody is sitting on the same uh, 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 mile marker. We all grow at different rates. But but not only is it vital to us, for the reasons Elder Wilson has given, but it is vital that we share that great news, that we can, have, we can have a better life, we can have wholeness in our lives, spiritually and physically as well. And I want to just thank ASI for so many organizations within the ASI family that promote the right arm of the gospel. They are valued and appreciated, and the church wants to work much more closely with those entities. Amen. We all say amen to that. Also, you mentioned uh, Bridges to Health. Right. That is actually going to be taking place again. It happened in San Francisco once, but in San Antonio in April of 2015, 
uh, ASI members together with everyone else who will join will be doing that same health outreach in the great city of San Antonio. Leading yeah. up to a large evangelistic meeting in San Antonio just prior to the general conference session. And we're just delighted that uh, this is being partnered with North American Division, Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists. It's going to be a phenomenal success in the name of Jesus. Amen. And, and Dan, this is a good time for an ad that okay. says, we need doctors, dentists, nurses, physiotherapists to participate in that event because it can only be successful on that basis. But, but we're making a broad appeal to people to come, need as many volunteers as medical professionals. But we're hoping, by God's grace, to see a wonderful outpouring of disinterested benevolence in the city of San Antonio. And for those dates, for those of you who might be watching and here in our audience that would like to be a part of that uh, great event, if you are a professional that could add some value to that event, I want to encourage you to contact our ASI office, and we will have to get a super up because I wasn't prepared for that ad, but uh, we want you to contact our ASI office in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland if you want to participate in that event. Now that brings me to one last question here. Um, well, in fact, I'm going to skip that question because of our time. Our time's getting away. Um, Pastor Wilson, I want you to talk first about uh, our the whole idea of global mission and especially mission of the cities and give the broad global perspective in Pastor Jackson to bring that home to North America. And this will be probably the last question we're able to do today. About uh, four years ago, five years ago, the world passed the mark of more people living in the metropolitan areas than living in rural districts. That's the first time it's ever happened. It will only grow greater. By the year uh, 2050 or so, if the Lord has not returned, I believe he'll come very soon. Yes. But by that time, it will have increased to uh, at least 70% of the world's population living in these large metropolitan areas. The church has initiated and has very uh, wonderfully accepted the challenge of mission to the cities, of reaching these large metropolitan areas. Here in North America, all over the world, we are seeing divisions and unions and local fields take the responsibility of trying to organize in a creative way, following principles from the Bible and specific counsel from the spirit of prophecy as to how we can be able to penetrate these great cities. Uh, it's just so gratifying to me to see that church members are taking hold of this in a very uh, dynamic way. We do have areas of the world which are heavily influenced by the Seventh-day Adventist message and other areas where there is hardly anything. Uh, just to contrast it, uh, in some places we may have Seventh-day Adventists for every uh, 15 or 20 people. In other places it is an incredible ratio. In the Middle East there are 500 million people with perhaps only 2,500 Seventh-day Adventists. So you see the challenges not only in the 1040 window, but also in the developed world. Mm. In fact, Europe itself is now becoming a great challenge because of its materialistic, secular approach. North America, uh, Australia, New Zealand, places where development has taken place and where people have lost perhaps their first love of the Lord, we are seeing great challenges as well. So the Lord is using so many people to be able to reach into some of these very challenging areas. So the mission field is not just over there anymore, it is everywhere. Mm. Pastor Jackson, specifically, while whatever else you're going to say, how can individuals be involved in global mission to the cities in North America? Well, let me begin by saying that, that this summer has been a, a, an amazing summer for me. I've been able to be at 10 camp meetings this summer. And in those camp meetings, you know what I find when I travel across our division? I find that God's people want to be involved. They want to be a part of the ministry of the church. So, in every 
Union and Conference in North America. And by the way, we discovered in the North American Division, it was not like it was a great discovery. All we had to do was to go to the, 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 the people who knew, but we discovered there are 50 cities in the North American Division that have one million plus people. That's an amazing statistic. Yet, one of the other things we know is that in the North American Division, whether it is Caucasian or African American, we are not attracting individuals who were born in this country to the church. We have a huge issue here. So, what can people do? Well, first of all, we need to have an outpouring of prayer for the Holy Spirit of God to give us the level of understanding that we need. Then we need to have willing hearts that say, man, we're, we're, we're seeing a great focus coming to our city or our community. How can we participate? Um, we have recently been reshaping our media ministries. We did that not to save money, but to focus media on the large cities in our territory, along with the comprehensive health approach that Elder Wilson is talking about. We want to combine in a grand collaboration everything that we can utilize to zero in on these cities to reach out to the men and women of North America for Jesus Christ and for the, with the message of the three angels. So um, we are being very intentional about it. We have started a process called transformational evangelism, which looks at two things. How may we transform the church into an evangelistic agency, not just a place where once every five years we hold 28 nights in a hall? How do we transform the church? And, there, and by doing that, how may we transform our communities by the grace of God? Uh, and, and that really is a, a, a kind of patchwork quilt of where we're headed in North America. We are very, very earnest and very desirous to complete the mission task that God has given us. Amen. Now, I'm, we have just a few more minutes, so I'm going to slip one more question in here. There's been a lot of discussion about publishing, mm. Pastor Jackson, and especially in North America. We know that, that our, our, one of our publishing houses is, is closing, at least that's the report that we all read, and things are changing. You mentioned media, you mentioned health, but where does publishing for North America fit into this global mission uh, for the cities? Well, first of all, let me say that uh, Alan White makes the comment, and we believe it, that the publishing work will go on right to the time when Jesus returns. Amen. Now, she doesn't say the printing work will go on, but she says publishing will go on. So we have a new arrangement. We have a publisher in the North American division known as Pacific Press Publishing. Our dream, and we are just in the process, we, we headed down the road and then we, we, because we're trying to understand how may we reintegrate into the minds of Seventh-day Adventists in the North American division that it's important for you and for me to be involved in literature ministry. How can I pick up that tract? How can I get involved with that uh, 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 social media where I can send things? You know, it's fascinating that ASI did what they did by putting, slipping one of these in every packet. They That's didn't right. do it as a gift. They did it as a giveaway so you could give it to someone else. But uh, the goal in the North American division is how may we utilize the great movements that have begun, with our young people in particular, who in the last few years have given out 68 to 70 million pieces of literature. How can we bring that together with, in, a, in a broad perspective, but involve our people, even in the local church, with giving out literature, truth-filled literature, to their neighbors and friends, Jesus is coming soon. We can't afford to leave anything out of the picture when we talk about reaching our community for Christ. Amen. In about 45 seconds, Pastor Wilson, give us a word of encouragement. Well, one of the most uh, hopeful signs that Jesus is coming is to see what He's doing in the lives of thousands of people all over this world. Uh, Nancy and I have the great privilege of visiting many countries. Uh, we've just come back from a fairly long trip uh, recently, 
and it is marvelous to see what the Lord is doing to re-energize His people and people in other churches as they focus upon last day truth. So the hope that we have in Christ is truly uh, a remarkable encouragement for all of us. And as Seventh-day Adventists, I think we can absolutely have great assurance that the best days are ahead, even though they're going to be the most troubling and challenging, but it means we can lean on the Lord in a more powerful way. And that's what He is longing to see happen. By God's grace, I'm excited and I hope others are because soon we're going to see that glorious return. Amen. Amen. Now, I just want to make a, a small statement before we go to a prayer. We're going to have a special prayer. I just want to say that, you know, new things happen at ASI conventions. The DVD project was born here that has gone all over and many other things you can point to here. I don't, I didn't get through a third of the questions that we had put in here, so maybe this is the beginning of something that we'll do more often. Uh, how many of you would like to hear some more questions sometime? We, this has been extremely valuable and thank you both. Uh, for participating in this. And I'd like to invite Pastor Jackson, if you will pray, and then if you will do a short prayer after that, just pray for each other, for our ministry, for the ASI members, for those people who will be watching this by television. Would you please? Sure. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the magnificent gift of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Heavenly Father, you have called this church into existence to carry out your great evangelistic enterprise on planet Earth. I pray for our colleagues in ministry. I pray for Elder Wilson, for his leadership. I pray for our colleagues all around the world in North America. And Heavenly Father, please take us into your hand and bless us with your presence and with the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of coming to you in a direct connection to heaven. Help us to remember that prayer is always available to us and that we need to lean upon you more and more as we come to the very end of time. We earnestly ask that you will bless the ASI organization and all of its various parts as they seek to share the precious love of God with others. We thank you for the righteousness of Christ, the all-encompassing nature of God's righteousness, which can bring us into a right relationship with the Lord now and for eternity. Lord, I ask that you will bless every viewer today on 3ABN, Bless each one who is hearing these words, and we ask that you will bring them to the foot of the cross and a complete understanding of what truth is as the Holy Spirit leads their lives. So, Lord, we look to the future now. We place it in your hands, and we rest comfortably there, even though we don't know how to proceed. We know that you do, and we rest comfortably in your care. Thank you for hearing us. Bless the North American division and every division around the world as we work together for a soon coming of the Lord who is our Savior and our King. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI. Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.